1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires
0: downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Art Smart from Who Arted, your guide to quick and easy art history. We're cutting through all that art world jargon that doesn't make sense to anyone because art is for everyone. Welcome to Art Smart. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and today... We're going to be looking at the pencil. Now, long before pencils, the Romans had the stylus. Scribes would use metal rods to leave marks on papyrus. These styluses were made of lead, and while you may be thinking, we just took the idea of writing in lead and wrapped some wood around it, pencils don't actually use lead. In 1564, a storm knocked down a tree in Burrowdale, England. Underneath the tree, locals discovered a black substance, which they quickly found to be useful for mark-making. Unfortunately, it was brittle and needed to be wrapped in a handle of some sort. Initially, they used string, but quickly, they found hollowed-out wood casings worked much better. At first, they called it plumbago, because they thought it was a darker form of lead. If you're wondering how the names plumbago and lead are related, plumbum is not only delightful to say in my new favorite word, it is the Latin name for lead. And that's why people who work with pipes are called plumbers. Long ago, our water flowed through lead, or plumbum, pipes. But the substance discovered in Burrowdale, England, wasn't lead. It was graphite that deposit is still one of the most pure graphite deposits in the world. Of course, over the years, there were some further advancements to be made in the processing and manufacturing. In the 18th century, there was a giant leap forward as Nicholas Jacques Conti created Cran's Conti by mixing graphite with clay, sculpting it into a rod, and then baking it. Still, there was a bit of distance to go from these rods of graphite and clay into the neat uniform pencils we know today. The graphite embedded in the middle of painted wood with an eraser on the end. So now, to understand a little bit about how more modern pencils are created, I'm actually bringing on someone who knows quite a bit about the subject. Um, I've got Becky Trudeau, a product manager for Dixon Ticonderoga, my favorite pencils and probably most art teachers go to. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Okay, so I've covered a little bit about like the ancient roots of, of, you know, graphite and lead and everything that gets into our pencils. But I am a little bit curious more about how it's come in the more modern times. So can you tell me a little bit about like Ticonderoga? Where did, where did these come from? How are they made?
1: Sure. So uh, the the history of pencils, uh, particularly with our company, but also kind of the history of pencils in this country started with Joseph Dixon. He started the Dixon Crucible Company back in 1827 and he was a pioneer in the use of graphite. So the world looked a lot different almost 200 years ago. Uh, Pencils weren't something that you found uh, very often. Uh, People were still writing with fountain pens and quills, quite a bit, dipped in ink. So what he primarily used his graphite for were crucibles, which were containers that could stand very, very hot molten ore being poured into them, which was important at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution in this country because we were using that ore to build railroads and ships and the skyscrapers, some of the skyscrapers that we see even today. Um, It was also used for stove black. They would smear it inside uh, wood and coal stoves at the time. As a sideline, he was making pencils by hand at his home in salem massachusetts and then the civil war started in 1861. Uh, there were a lot of people that were very anxious to keep in touch with their loved ones and they needed an inexpensive way to um, be able to have a writing instrument that they could use in all kinds of weather that would stay dry they didn't have to pour around an inkwell and the popularity of pencils exploded so at that point, they started looking for a way to mass-produce pencils, so they developed equipment, and by 1872, the Dixon Company was producing 240,000 pencils annually, so the Civil War is really where the use of pencils exploded.
0: Okay, so I, that is so interesting to me. I don't know if I'm more impressed with the idea of figuring out how to mass-produce pencils or the idea of making them by hand, because either one seems really difficult. I cannot imagine hand building a pencil.
1: Right, and particularly right. when you know we get in in a, minute, in a minute or two here to what it takes to make a pencil. I mean, when I look at a pencil, you don't think of a pencil. You just use a pencil, you lose a pencil, you find another pencil. But when you find out what really kind of goes into making a pencil, it's it's pretty interesting.
0: I agree. So after the break, let's get into just how a modern pencil is made. Okay, so you have sparked my curiosity. How is it made?
1: So there's two main components of a pencil, right? It's wood and it's the graphite that's in that wood that we actually write with. So if we start with the graphite, graphite's a very soft mineral that's mined from the earth. It's mixed with clay to give it the consistency to allow us to write with it. Because if we just use the graphite, uh, it would be too soft to write with, it just crumbles. It won't, it doesn't, it doesn't make a good mark for writing. Um, it is used in art, but not so much for writing. So we mix it with clay to give it a consistency and then the desired hardness that we want for that pencil. Um, the graphite and clay are placed into a large board. It's almost, you know, I equate it with almost like a cookie mixer, Uh, one of those stand mixers, but it's big. And we add more clay to the pencil formula to make it harder. So it's graphite and clay mixed together in this big mixer. And then it's extruded into these long tubes. I'll say tubes, tube looking things that are what goes inside the pencil. And then those long tubes of graphite are placed again almost on like cookie sheets and they go through a long oven and they're baked very slowly to get the moisture out of them and get them to the consistency again that we can write with and then that graphite is set aside as the wood is prepared so wood um, the wood source we use premium wood for ticonderoga also has to be very specific. It can't be too hard, or it would be impossible to sharpen. It would be, can't be too soft, or we have all kinds of problems. We have poor sharpening qualities like splintering, uneven sharpening, etc. So it's a, kind of a very specific wood. In addition, we take wood only from sustainably managed forests. So for every tree we take from the forest, we plant another tree. So it also has to be a tree that grows fairly quickly, so that we can replace it. So. Typically it's cedar, basswood, or poplar that are used in um, pencils in general, ticonderoga pencils specifically.
0: I just gotta interrupt for a moment. I Already I am so astonished by how many things you think of that I never put thought into. So like, I appreciate that you're thinking about not only like, okay, we got to get the right, the right hardness for the clay, the right hardness for the wood and the wood has to be sustainable and eco-friendly. And it's all of those things that, you know, I, I don't think about because you're doing it for us. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, but, but go on, how, do, how, do what do we do with the wood once you've got it?
1: So then the wood is cut into small boards, we call them slats. And they're about the length and thickness of a pencil. Then grooves, 10 grooves are cut into each one of those slats. It's just wide enough for that graphite core that we extruded earlier to lay into those grooves. We, at Ticonderoga, we glue those um, grooves before we lay the graphite into it. Then we take another slat and put it on top. And, that, and now it's glued together and that's called, we call it a sandwich board.
0: I was just gonna say, it's like a graphite sandwich.
1: Yep, and that's what we actually call it, a uh, sandwich board. So after those are glued together, they're then shaped into a pencil. And for a ticonderoga, it's a hexagon shaped pencil. For other pencils, it could be round or triangular. There's different shapes, but it's shaped into that, whatever shape that final pencil is going to be. And once we have that shape, then we put it through a machine that applies several coats of paint to it, or lacquer, as we call it, and then another machine imprints the Ticonderoga name on it, and then the ferrule, which is what you were alluding to earlier, is that metal piece on the top, we glue that onto the top of the pencil, and then an eraser is glued into that ferrule, so that ferrule connects the eraser to the pencil.
0: Okay, so when I buy my Ticonderoga pencils, I usually buy the pre-sharpened ones because I'm lazy, but I have noticed that they're they're a different angle than like any pencil sharpener I have ever seen. So when, when, like, how do you do that? Because I imagine you're probably not sitting in the factory with somebody just hanging out, plugging one into a sharpener after another. Like, why do those come out different from the factory than my sharpener?
1: What sharpens those pencils in a factory is a very big machine and those pencils are just rolling through that sharpener and it either has like a file or you know like a sandpaper depending on that machine and it just rolls through there and it gives you that kind of perfect conical shape. And it's really not been able to be duplicated by like a handheld sharpener, certainly not an electric sharpener. Hand-held sharpener will probably get you the closest if you have a really good quality one, but yeah, hard to duplicate those big machines that do that initial sharpening.
0: Yeah, it is, but you know, it, it looks beautiful coming out of the box for that day. Uh, so it goes, it like rolls across like an angle grinder or something like that. And then, um, you know, you talked about the ferrule on there. You talked about how Ticonderoga is imprinted in there, but it's not just the, the branding on there. There's also the numbers and letters on, on the pencil. You know, we see the two, we see the HB. What does that mean?
1: Right, so H stands for hard. <laughs> This is always such a strange um, thing with the way this this is explained, but H is hard, B is black. So, you know, hard and black are not opposites, but (laughs) in the pencil world, they kind of are, because if we go back to our mixture, if we put in more clay, it makes that pencil harder. And when you make a pencil harder, you make the mark that it makes lighter. If you put in less clay and there's more graphite, it makes the pencil softer and blacker. So I guess in the pencil world, hard and black are kind of opposites. And HB, which is the standard for most schools in the country, is that kind of middle ground between the hard H pencils and the B black pencils. The numbers are showing you where they are on that scale. So, A 2H is harder than just an H. A 4H is harder than a 2H. Then it goes to the opposite end of the scale. So a 6B is softer than a 4B. So it's like an axis where the Bs go one way and the Hs go up the other way.
0: Yeah, it's like a number line almost, the way that my, my students might think about it. And now as the art teacher, so I'm thinking, If i want a really light line i want the hardest pencil possible because less of the graphite will break off into the tooth of the paper that's how it makes the mark right it's little microscopic bits of graphite that are coming off the tip of the pencil and embedded on the paper so the harder it is the less will transfer
1: that is correct so the clay is almost blocking the graphite from laying down it's also allowing you to sharpen that pencil to a much finer point point. Mm-hmm. and so if you know if you sharpen a harder pencil you'll see that the point is very pointy and it just lays down a thinner lighter line
0: the harder it gets so if i am trying to be that really perfectionist fancy artist i'm going to start off with a harder pencil to get the the very light sketches that i give me the flexibility to adjust and i might use that for really fine details but then when i'm doing like my shading and i want it to get like really deep in the shadows that's where i'm looking at like a 6b like as dark as you can get right
1: right right that's correct
0: okay so that's sort of the continuum. Of course, if you're like me, you do like 90% of your work with the HB, and that's just fine for most stuff.
1: Right, right. right. Because one nice thing about the HB is when it's sharp, it gives you a pretty a pretty crisp line. And yeah. when it's worn down a little, you can get more of the shading properties.
0: So now, as I'm shifting this conversation more towards stuff for my classroom, because I always want to end with a little bit of practical advice, now that we understand how the material works... How do we work with it? One of the things that frustrates me, and I'm sure a number of students, when we go to erase, have you ever had that experience where you're going to erase something and it's just like, it just smears around. You know, it just leaves these black marks all over the paper instead of really erasing. Why is that? What's the eraser doing? How can we get it to work better?
1: Well, I would say at the end of the day, I, I don't know of a way to get an eraser to work better. There's just better quality erasers. Most erasers now are made with synthetic rubber and uh, a small amount of pumice. And there are various grades of those polymers or synthetic rubbers. And uh, depending on what's being used in that eraser, um, you're going to get better performance from some erasers than others. The other part of it is that an older eraser, this used to be really true in the old days, but it still is to a certain extent today. Light and air are not a friend of erasers. So if you have an eraser that's a little older, um, you know, two years or more, you're going to start seeing um, less efficiency from that eraser. So,
0: Yeah, if if it gets too old, it kind of almost feels like it, it... It's like it oxidizes or something. It feels like it becomes like brittle. Like.
1: Right. So pencil erasers don't just you know they don't just work manually by rubbing them. To a certain extent, they also work chemically. Um, they work because when you when you put them to the paper, the graphite mingles with the, the fiber particles, as you said earlier. So the graphite yep. is in the fiber particles. When you use an eraser, the pumice is helping to loosen those graphite particles. And then the polymer is actually attracting those graphite particles. So when you erase, there's actually more than one thing going on there. As if you, again, if you have a low quality polymer or you have an old eraser, that attraction isn't there anymore. And then you may just get smearing, you know, the graphite has nowhere to go. So instead of pulling it off of the paper, you're just smearing it around.
0: Oh, that makes sense. So it's not just about the friction. It's also a little bit of a chemical reaction there, too. And I'm going to move on from that because I'm terrible at chemistry. So back to other nuisances where I'm in my wheelhouse and not exposing my ignorance. As a southpaw, constant issues smudging my writing. Are there any pencils that are less prone to that? I'm thinking from what I've learned in this episode, maybe a harder pencil. That's just
1: what I was going to say. Yeah, I think the only thing, um, really the best way to avoid that, and I can tell you my favorite pencil is actually a 2.5 for writing. Uh, 2.5 is just enough harder than a 2 that it stays sharp a little bit longer. And so for writing, 2.5 is actually my favorite.
0: Not that big of an increment, but sometimes it's the little things that make all the difference in the world. It writes very
1: similar to it too, but stays sharp a little longer and doesn't probably won't smear as much if you go
0: back over it. Last bit, any other advice you want to share for young artists to make the most of their pencils?
1: Well, I was thinking about this before uh, joining you today, and there's one thing I figured out: it's there's no wrong way to do it. I have developed products. I have uh, managed products that we put out there for a certain use. And then I have gone to art exhibitions where people have used our products that I just, they just blow me away and they're not used anything like the way we conceived them. So it's really about finding your own path. And I personally love uh, number two pencils because as you alluded to earlier, um, you can do a lot of art with just a number two pencil and it's inexpensive and it's a good way of finding your your path and uh, exploring
0: from there. Thank you very much once again for giving us some insights into the probably simplest, but also most versatile tool that we all use Uh, Thank you, Becky Trudeau from Dixon Ticonderoga. Really appreciate your taking the time.
1: Well, thank you for having me and letting me uh, talk about the pencil industry and Ticonderoga pencils.
0: I appreciate it. Thank you. ArtSmart is produced, recorded, and edited by me, Kyle Wood. Special thanks this week to Becky Trudeau from Dixon Ticonderoga for helping me out. And finally, the background music played throughout this episode was created by Les FM, Coma Media, and Music Unlimited. Be sure to tune in next week when we're going to learn how Clay gets from the ground to our studios. And of course, as always, if you're enjoying this show... Please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app or tell a friend about it. Helps the show grow. Thanks. ArtSmart is an airwave media podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor, leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to learn more, check out my other podcast, Who Arted, or go to the website artsmartpodcast.com for more free resources.